0: Sahana, Mabatu Sahana, Munaktu Sahavi Yang Kara Bahai. baby retreat Mm -hmm. called Discovering Shraddha and uh, so we will have our meeting today will go up to 8 o'clock including question answers then tomorrow we meet at 9.30 and we go up to noon with a little break in between So, that is something, and I hope to finish by that, you know. In Vedanta, nothing ever finishes. (laughs) So, always keeping on starting, starting, starting. So, that which doesn't have an end, that which doesn't have anta, is Vedanta. (laughs) Anta means end. (laughs) That's why another name for Vedanta is Ananta, that which is without an end. (laughs) And what is that which is without an end? You. That's who. You who? Yeah. You are the one that is endless, that is infinite. And to discover this, so much preparation, my God. So much preparation. And if you look at the preparatory steps, of which Shraddha is an important one, and if you look at the preparatory steps, One doesn't know how to categorize them. Preparing myself to discover that I am infinite, what do I gather? Or rather, what do I drop? Yeah, it's a very important question. So is there more dropping? (laughs) Dropping, 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 letting go, letting go, letting go. Or is there more gathering? Like more Viveka. (laughs) Viveka, discrimination, right? More vairagya, one would say. What is vairagya? Letting go. letting go. Yeah. So, you hold, you pack up on letting go. You OD on letting go. It's kind of an oxymoron. Yeah. So, like this, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting paradox how much is there in the gathering And how much is there in letting go of all the wrong notions that have been carefully gathered and preserved in lineages, family lineage, social lineages, and handed down from generation to generation, dysfunctional ways of being. Handed down from parents to children, children to their children, great-grandchildren, great-great-great-grandchildren. And after a while, you know, it's like, it becomes its own valid lineage. And one stops questioning. This is how, this is what I was given. This is who I am. This is how I grew up. This is how things are done in my family. You know, we say that with the tongue rolling effortlessly in the mouth, Because we look upon these statements not only as true, because they are empirically true, but we look upon them as ultimately true, which they are not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which they are not. So, the preparation for this knowledge, you know, is... It's like an appointment with oneself, and if one can't stand oneself, the appointment is not going to go very well. (laughs) You know, what are you going to wear to greet yourself, or rather what are you going to take off to greet yourself, because with all these layers, you know, and I don't mean because of it's 37 degrees outside, not those layers. <laughs> With all these layers that one has, you know, this patina after patina, this veneer after veneer of assumptions, notions, ways of being, beliefs that one is una- through the cacophony of which one is unable to hear the shruti the voice of the Shruti. Shruti means the sacred teachings of India, Bharat, and ancient India, of mother India, and the Shruti herself is is a mother. You know, when the child is not you know, the child goes like this, Na, 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 right? You try Satmarayan do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning what? What does it mean?
1: I'm not I'm listening, listening to you. <laughs> I'm not listening. Why?
0: Because <laughs> I want to do something else other than what you are telling me to do. <laughs> right? Uh, so, we also do that. <laughs> ah we also do that because this nana nana is because we are always in the nana Nana in Sanskrit doesn't mean grandfather Nana doesn't mean no no Nana means many yeah we have been conned by the many Conned by the many when the shruti says it's all you all there is is one. You know, you have to say na 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 pun intended. <laughs> Don't disturb me. I am into the nana na. <laughs> and I have uh, been hijacked by nana. Nana na means the manifold forms and names in this universe. But right now I'm using the word to say the uh, what's it called? The manifold notions and belief systems of what constitutes this I. And what constitutes the I is a series of notions, some handed down carefully like a legacy, from family to family, generation to generation, others picked up along the way, through, you know, like mementos during one's travels, you know, you go somewhere and then you say, oh, I want a little, memento means memory, so I want a little memory because otherwise how will everybody else, I mean, I know I went there, (laughs) but how will everyone else know that I had gone there, so people who are tourists like to bring a small thing from each place, small thing, because, you know, there's no room for big, big things, So some beliefs and ideologies are picked up from places visited, cultures traversed or lived in, or things that one has read about, and one picks up things along the way. Before one knows it, there is no room. For what? For the Shruti, for For the teacher. Because one is one has started or rather has ended up believing that the sum total of these beliefs, these notions, these ideologies with which I was raised, and if I was raised with them, they have to be right and and with with because the whole of America thinks this way, so I should it should be right because it's the majority, and I agree. So it should be right. And these are the beliefs and notions I have picked up about what about three things: myself, jiva, individual, the world, universe, jagat, and the Lord jagadishwara jiva Jagadar jagadishwara I, I wanted this time everything to start with j <laughs> <laughs> so th- this is what i pick up i have beliefs about god the one who says i believe in god it's still a belief you know and i and the one who says i don't believe in god that's also a belief because both are non verifiable and god doesn't speak on her or his own behalf no no you are right i am you are right this you are wrong no so therefore th- these are all beliefs non verifiable and some are verifiable and still it's a belief until it is verified it's a hypothetical belief and so these ideologies notions etc make the Mental eye. And it's the mental eye that transacts primarily. What should I say? We have a actions and reactions and responses in the universe. It's not the physical eye. Ah. The body is just what is called bhoga ayatanam. Ayatanam means a vehicle. Mm-hmm. For what? Bhoga. What is bhoga? Conspicuous consumption. Bhoga. This is what it is. The body is a vehicle used by the I notion which has grown fat from, you know, receiving as a legacy and picking up all kinds of ideologies and ideas attached to itself. And this is, you know, this makes for a very interesting entry into the spiritual knowledge. very interesting entry because who is entering is not the person but a bunch of notions and beliefs. And the Shruti tries to go in and enter this mind, there is no room. yeah no room at the inn, you know yeah that's what it is. No room. You know the, the lot of these biblical parables are very metaphorical. At the inn. And uh, the shruti is turned away. Yeah. Just like the mother pregnant with baby Jesus was turned away from so many places. Similarly, Mother Shruti pregnant with the teachings is turned away, (laughs) repeatedly, from all minds and she says, never mind, (laughs) Ah. that's why the, the birth of the baby Jesus, if it is akin to the birth of knowledge, so to speak, not that knowledge is born, but to the manifestation of knowledge. It has to be done in a manger, simple. <laughs> yeah. So the knowledge blesses a simple mind where there is room. And this kind of a, these are all metaphorical ways to look at this and see Ekavakyata. You know, this is a Vedantic spin on the. Uh, birth story so we have to see this as a as an allegory of where this knowledge of one's self as immortal where can it stay and the same thing is illustrated in a story that we tell children in India, one man was very worried because he thought he had worthless offspring. At least two of them, two out of three, were horrible fellows squandering all the money and you know, not very clever. And the third one didn't talk too much so he didn't know what was in his mind. And when it was clear that he was not going to live too long, he wanted to give them a test decide who he would leave his wealth to. He was a wealthy cotton merchant. And so he said to the uh, sons, here is some money. He gave each of them some money. And uh, you do something and here is some money and here are three rooms in the house. Fill them up with what you think is the most valuable and whoever passes this test will get will become my what is that called successor will in the will will get all my wealth and the business and everything. And then so saying he gave them fifteen days, two weeks to come up with something. The first thing the good for nothing, the two elder brothers did was to steal the younger one's money. <laughs> know, the money was gone for the younger one and they they thought oh we have double triple in fact all three they both had uh, three shares and so they squandered quite a bit of it and then when the time came to fill up the room with something valuable they just didn't spend any effort they went to the warehouse where the cotton was because he was a cotton merchant and just got bales of cotton and stuffed each room completely you know and the younger one was in tears because in 15 days he tried to go. He, and the, uh, the the condition was he could not use the father's, the parents' wealth. He could not use. He had to earn his own money. And he tried to go and get a job. But being raised very protectively, he couldn't. And it was off season for any kind of migrant labor. So he could not get any job. And so finally he did a few odd jobs here and there and managed to... Rubbed together a few rupees, and then he came and it was the next day was the test, you know, the, the, the judging. And so all he could do was clean the room nicely and put one image of Lord Ganesha and, you know, with the little money he had, he bought some curtains, incense and made a little altar. And, uh, you know, did one arati and said, you are the one who removes obstacles. So you decide, you know, that's all I can do because this is all the money I have. So the father, judging, you know, this test, goes to the first room and, you know, and just comes out coughing because the hay bales give him an allergy. (laughs) The second room, he can't even enter because he's got yarn. The second fellow put yarn, you know, cotton yarn on the the, the other thing. And... uh, he tripped over one, you know, yarn and then fell down and got tangled in it. So, the second one also he didn't have a good experience. And the third one, he was afraid to open the door, you know, what will I find here, you know? Yeah, what's behind door number three? And, uh, but he went in anyway and he was so happy, Ha! Ah, place to sit. And he's looking at, you know, clean. And there is a faint smell of incense and light. A lamp is lit and everything. So there is room to enter. And he says, okay, you know, these three rooms represent your minds. So one is a disaster zone and the other one is tangled up in its own ideas. There is no room for new learning. If this is how you keep your room, that means there is no room for for anything new to come therefore the whole thing goes to the younger one and by the way I know you stole his chair the, the little you know, prep money I gave so the penalty is you have to return that uh-huh. as well and so you know this is also an allegory of the same kind so it's not so much a collecting and a hoarding but an examination, the, the, the journey is an examination of what has been collected and holded till now. And that has to be exhaustively, honestly, and you know, totally queried and looked at, you know, without any pride or shame. This is what it entails you know and so what is this thing called shraddha and if you were to ask me you know in terms of the veda the holy book of the hindus what is the you know uh, the veda has two portions the first portion is all about how to live a life of righteousness how to live a life of growth And growth includes keeping, you know, keeping one's life in tandem with what is called dharma, the order of the world. Keeping one's word. Being true to oneself. All these things. And so, the first portion of the Veda is all, it's a treatise on desire fulfillment through deploying the right means Hmm. not the wrong means the wrong means would be to plan a robbery and say well you know if they get robbed it's their karma (laughs) yeah and if Hmm. they get robbed of their car it's their karma you know (laughs) this is what you can say but this is not what the first portion of the Vedas teach the first portion of the Veda actually teaches how to how to lead a righteous life while fulfilling whatever that you desire. So if you ask the avaidika, the follower of the first portion of the Veda, what is the most important word in the entire Veda, he or she will say shraddha. Shraddha because the Veda, the first portion of the Veda makes a lot of promises. All you need is some fire sticks, you know, wooden pieces, and some ghee. You know what ghee is? Yeah, you need some ghee and you know, and, and fire. Set it on fire, say the following mantras, and the name of this is Yajna. And then you do this yanya, and then something good will happen. Well, something good didn't happen. Well, did you do this properly? Oh uh-huh. I forgot step number seven. Okay. <laughs> so can I just do? Step number seven? No, no, you have to do the whole thing again. Oh, but then still nothing happened. Well, did you do it properly? Yes, this time I did not omit step number seven, f- one to, whatever number it was there. Everything has been nicely, properly done. Well, did anything bad happen? No. So perhaps <laughs> the Yangya stopped something bad from happening. <laughs> this is what the Vaidika will say. Yeah. You know, in 1962, there was what is this called a, 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 an interesting astrological phenomenon. It was called, uh, you know, uh, Ashta, uh, ashta uh, Graha Lagna. Eight planets in one house. You can't have all nine planets in one house (laughs) because you know, Rahu, Ketu are six houses apart, Uh, so seven houses apart. So, anyway, so you can't have that, so one of them will be off. But all the other eight were in one house. You know, imagine being born in that time. No other recourse if you are born in that, uh, you know, this Ashta, Graha. Uh, you know, other than to become a sadhu. That's the only option available because nothing will work. (laughs) Yeah. Renunciation is the only route. So, then, yeah, we have to interview the sadhus (laughs) to find out (laughs) if uh, if some of them were born in 62, around that time. (laughs) It was around uh, January, February 62, sometime, you know, sometime that time. Nothing works. Job no. Relationship no. You know, nothing works. Health, no. Nothing anything, you know. That kind and also it portended certain horrible things uh, from taking place in in the in, in the universe. And so every place it was decided that all the temples would do Navagraha fire ritual, a fire ritual for propitiation of the nine planets, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. All over India it was done. Nine planet fire ritual. And then, after it was all done, and this whole eight planet thing went, and then, you know, because more than one month it can't last, because many things like moon moves, you know, and everything, so it was just for a short time. And, uh, you know, so therefore they said, okay, you know, they did this for a whole month and then they said, Oh, we spent all this money for no reason, <laughs> because nothing happened, <laughs> uh-huh. you know. Did you want something to happen? No, 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 we wanted nothing to happen. Okay, then nothing happened. <laughs> <laughs> so how do I account for the fact that nothing happened? You know, is this a coincidence? You know, perhaps or you know but then there is no way of finding out what would have happened had we not done the fire rituals which was a preventive measure so what would have happened what would we have gained if the fire ritual had not been all those fire rituals had not been done no way of knowing and the bridge here is Shraddha Shraddha doesn't mean belief you know it's a wrong belief to believe that Shraddha <laughs> means belief. Yeah. The root verb is Dha to place with the prefix Shraddha you know firmly, fully, completely placing what? Placing how? You know It is Shraddha here means it's a trust pending understanding that is Shraddha. So pending understanding, some things we can't understand. And some other things maybe we'll understand later. So this is what is the meaning of the word Shraddha. So if you ask a Vaidika, the follower of the Vedas, the first portion of the Vedas, Me, Mom, Sakas, and all and all of them, what is this, you know, what is this Shraddha? Well, what is one word? That is a defining word of the Veda, it is Shraddha. Shraddha is there, then that is what connects me to the, the holy words of the Veda and what they have to say. I trust that it is for my good, what they have to say is for my good. I have to have that trust. Like when it says, you know, for example, it will say, Matradev o bhava, Devobhava, dev o, dev o bhava, Be the one unto whom mother is a manifestation of God. Be the one unto whom father is a manifestation of God. You know, maybe your mother and father. One may think. <laughs> Not mine. <laughs> you don't know what kind of a life I've had. <laughs> <laughs> but you see when you look deeply into it with shraddha shraddha is a, a, is a periscope is a, is a is a is something that enhances one's vision to look past the individuals however dysfunctional and you know they might have been or cruel or weird or you know awful Maybe those parents, whichever ones, you know, we are talking of, you know, non-ideal, the most non-ideal parents were the parents who should never have had children, you know. And maybe there are people like that, horribly behaved parents. But if I look at this sentence with Shraddha, then I see that it has nothing to do with the parents. Ah. be the one unto whom the mother is a manifestation of God. But the mother is hardly godly. She is not God, she is at best odd. You know, one may say, <laughs> remove the G quickly, say she is odd, she is not God. You know, you may say that. But this is not a statement or an injunction about the mother. When it says, Devo bhava, and it's not an injunction about the father, the physical form of the father when it says bhava," It is an injunction to make peace with one's parentage as an infallible aspect of one's incarnation in this universe. One can't suddenly drop from the sky, can you? No, even an avatar like Krishna and Rama, they had parents. <laughs> you know, what makes everyone else so special? So you have to have parents, correct? Right? Yeah, can't just come without parents. So, you know, all kinds of parents exist. And weird parents also exist. Simple. So, and so when I look upon the parents as a manifestation of God, when I'm asked, it's, it's, it's almost like an injunction. It's a command. It's, 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 it's that, you know, uh, imperative mood. Baba, be. Be the one unto whom the mother and the father is a manifestation of the Lord. You look past the personalities of the mother and the father. You look past your own personality and you learn to grow into acceptance of what is that's where the lord is ah. when i accept what is when i embrace my parentage even though i can barely look at the parents yeah nobody's you know telling go hug the parents you know it's mother's day or father's day or holiday no this is about embracing fully And accepting that this is how the parentage was, is. By giving them the freedom to be who they are or were completely without needing for them to change in order for me to be who I am, happy, contented, at peace. This is the meaning of that word. So you see, with the glasses of Shraddha, how a word that could just bristle up somebody if it is not understood looks so different you have a spiritual statement here a statement to understand which could take a lifetime and to accept which could take a few other lifetimes Mm -hmm. Uh, this is what it is be the one unto whom mother and father are the manifestations of that which is infallible. That which is infallible is Bhagavan. So it's not that these weird parents in the body are Bhagavan. They are manifestation of that which is infallible. So the fact that I have these kinds of parents and the fact that I was born in this family. Accident or not? Say no. 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 (laughs) You know? The fact that I have these kinds of siblings, the fact that I have these kinds of issues, mother issues, father issues, accident or not? No. The fact that I am struggling to overcome these issues, accident or not? No. Why should I struggle for these issues? because there is something there, right here, that makes this struggle, that activates this struggle. Then going further, Bhava, may the teacher be a manifestation of Bhagavan, of the Lord, of the Goddess. And, uh, you know, one could think that this, was, this sentence was purposely put you know, mother, father, teacher. Suddenly, his teacher comes. You know why? Well, mother, father was enough. Maybe this sentence was put to as a, as a kind of an insurance to protect all the gurus. <laughs> so nobody disses the guru. Disses, yeah. This is a this is a word in America. You know, disses means what? What is it short for? Disrespect. Disrespect, Disrespect yeah. Then the short form for disrespect is dis. The short form of denigrate is denig. (laughs) So, you know. So nobody disrespects. And why nobody disrespects? Because the you know it's not you know it's not because somebody will disrespect and it has been put there. It has been put there because frequently the acharya or the teacher you know, is seen as an, a figure of authority. And who else are authority figures? Like mummy and daddy. Authority figures. So the teacher also becomes an authority figure. And many times can evoke the same issues that one is still struggling to resolve with one's parents. You know, what is that uh, That thing which is filled and you go like that? Punching bag. Punching bag, Hmm? bag, yeah. So that, you know, so it becomes a... uh, What's that? So the teacher can become a punching bag upon which all the pains and sorrows and fears and distrust and everything you know, is, is released. So therefore, the same thing which applies to the mother and the father. The same issues are coming up with regard to the teacher also. Therefore what? May you look upon the teacher as what? As a manifestation of the infallity. You know, why this teacher? Why not some other teacher? No, but I can change. You know, I can't change the mother and father. Sometimes you can. But you know, I can change the teacher certainly. You know, Okay, you change, and then what you find the same issues different body you know <laughs> old wine, new bottle that's all different body, same issues same issues that one is having in relation in relating to the teacher and so therefore, when I look upon uh, this statement. It has nothing to do with the teacher. The body of the teacher, the mind of the teacher, nothing. not the personality of the teacher, no. It has to do with understanding. Come on in. Come, come. Om. oh, Here, come right in front. Please sit. Come, come. Hello. Come in. Om. Welcome. So, Acharya Devo Bhava, it's nothing to do with the personality of the teacher. It has to do with getting to a place of peace with with the teacher that one has chosen. This is what it, it's entailed. Then finally, then when we, uh, you know, look upon it with Shraddha, we see this. Then finally what? Ātithi ah, devo bhava. Ātithi means what? Yes. Ah. What kind of guest? Unexpected, Unexpected guest. <laughs> tithi means what? What is tithi? Um. Tithi. Phase of the moon yes so tithi means a particular phase of the moon which is a which is which is the date in, uh, in the in the um, astrological calendar in the hindu astrological calendar tithi means date yeah then A-Tithi means not no tithi yeah we don't have such guests anymore you know I was speaking in D.C. in the Hindu-Catholic dialogue. I said, you know, this was what got us into trouble because everybody came and we thought all of them are unexpected guests, all the colonizers from Alexander the not-so-great to not-so-great Britain. You know, everybody just came. And we said, oh, come, you know, eat. So this was our our problem, you know, I, I was uh, saying that. And uh, anyway, so this Atithi Devo Bhava is again a metaphorical statement. Because in, you know, in, in America, we don't have time for guests. We don't. You know, we have to main date uh, eight weeks before. Oh, let's match the calendars. And, uh, okay, how about between 4.30 and 4.45? <laughs> you can't do that, especially now in Mercury retrograde. Yeah, well, the plans will go. Everything is late. And so, this is, this is what happens. So, you know, we'll just have and then we'll do. And nobody wants to meet in anyone's house because you have to clean up, you know, that's it's a very big thing. So, what do you have to do? To go somewhere in a cafe and sit there and talk to one another. Yeah, this is the whole thing, you know. That is not the Indian Atithi. You know, Indian Atithi, they are very, you know, wily creatures. Yeah. And you're not even allowed to ask. The Indian atithi, how long are you coming? Because it's seen as rude. You know, don't ask them. Somebody calls and says or writes and says, especially before all these phones and everything, that I'm coming to your house for a visit. You say, oh, how blessed I am. Please come. And it's very rude to say how long you're coming. I have other things to do. And you know what? Maybe you should stay in a hotel because the last time you came, we didn't hit it off. No, you're not allowed to say any of those things. And even if you have made plans, you have to drop the plans because they have said uh, they are coming. You have to drop the plans because this is a Vedic statement. You have to drop the plans. And then what? Okay, You know, you go and receive them at the airport station, train station, whatsoever. When you're not allowed to ask how long you're coming for, so you try other methods. You look at their suitcase. (laughs) Is it a weekend? Is it just a carry-on, like a little weekend, mamla, mamla means matter, you know, is it a weekend matter? You know, three, four days they'll stay and go, and here also one is flummoxed, the suitcase is neither a carry-on nor a check-in, you know, it's like it's in between the two, yeah. So there also it doesn't help, you know, it doesn't help to, to know, welcome, please come, have a seat. So um, you'll have another guest tonight. Meet Seth. You'll stay with them. What? You'll stay with them. Yes. Sir. Yes. Yeah. So uh, this is what the whole thing is. And yeah, see, he he came. He dropped in <laughs> to illustrate a <our> whole point. <laughs> Did you come by yourself? He was in our car. Oh, he came with you. Okay. Yeah. So we didn't know he was coming and it's a wonderful surprise. And so, and you illustrated what we were talking about is the unexpected. Very nice. And so here, you know, you try to look at their suitcase to see how long they're going to stay and uh, nothing, no clues. Then you take them home and on the way in the car or however or after you reach home over a cup of tea, you, you drop some hints. Oh, too bad, you're not going to stay for my daughter's graduation. <laughs> you know, and what is the month now? December. So you give them plenty of time. <laughs> when is graduation? May, June. you say, too bad you're not staying for my daughter's graduation. Oh, of course I was planning on it. The heart sinks further. (laughs) Oh, too bad you're not staying for my son's engagement, which which is 2018 October. And then you say, when is that? And you say, oh, that's in October. Oh, let me make a note of it. Oh, no, I can change my plans easily. <laughs> and the heart sinks because you see the guest becoming a pest very, very quickly, right? And so, so what to do now? You know, that's why we have this statement. Atithi devo bhava. May one look upon the guest as a metaphor of things just dropping in. When things drop in, something wonderful happens. Because I am in a place of yes, rather than in a place of a big question mark, you know. (laughs) Why? Why me? (laughs) Why does this always happen to me? Or in a place of no, a place of resistance. So this is all about a place of yes, you know. Matra Devo Bhava. May the mother and the father be a manifestation of the Lord of Bhagavan. Yes. Yes means I am I am finally in a place of accepting what is. And our definition of God goddess is what is. Yeah, What is, is God. That is what we say. Everything else is odd. Yeah, <laughs> This is what the whole thing is. And so therefore, if you ask the person who is following the first portion of the Veda, what is the most important word? It is Shraddha because it gets you through the day. This must be happening for some reason, we will say the Vaidika. This is not an accident. This must be happening for some reason. And so too, all the good and the not so good things that happen. Even otherwise, even without being a Vaidika, you can see that certain days are quote unquote good days and certain days are horrid days. Yeah? Yeah. Certain days are just, you know, unquestionably difficult. Certain days you get everything that you want and more. Here, have this. Oh, but I didn't ask for it. Doesn't matter, take it. Oh, great. Wonderful. All the doors open that you never even thought were there. You, you thought it was a wall, but it was a door leading to some treasure. You never thought it was there. You know? All doors suddenly, unexpectedly open and all obstacles unexpectedly they are gone. Even the ones you didn't even think were there, which were there, are all taken away. Some days are like that. And other days, you know, it's like walking in quicksand. I don't know why they call it quicksand. It's very slow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Very slow. And so it's like, you know, dreading every step, dredging through this sludge called samsara. Some days are like that and shraddha gets us through the days like that because you know immediately one thinks there must be a reason and what is the reason usually? Karma. Whose karma? My own karma. You can't say it's the neighbor's karma affecting me. You know? You can get the neighbor's flu, but you can't get the neighbor's karma. <laughs> karma ain't contagious. Yeah. It's not contagious. It's your own karma. So, when I am in acceptance of that which we call karma, karma means the uncomfortable or comfortable situations. That have been engendered by my own doings in this life or other lives. That's all it is. So it's my own doing, you know. So... It when we put on the specks the glasses of Shraddha you see that very very clearly that's why Shraddha becomes an important word and even without the word Shraddha one knows this one very very happily knows this because everybody says today is not a lucky day right too much bad luck coming out good luck, bad luck you know that is the English word for karma luck there was one Nigerian leader, Good Luck Jonathan. Ah, he's still there, yeah. Actually, I heard he was very corrupt. He was, his name was Good Luck because he amassed a lot of money. For the people, he was bad luck. Ah. And then, Good Luck ran out for Good Luck, and he was ousted from office two years back. This is what it is. So so everybody knows good luck, bad luck, not very nice, not very lucky, not a lucky day. And for us, the word luck is replaced by Shraddha. The word luck is replaced actually by Punya and Papa. Papa doesn't mean sin, you know. It's a, the only sin in Hindu dharma is to translate the word Papa as sin. That's the only sin. <laughs> Papa means all my omissions and commissions, the results of my omissions and commissions in the here or here before, whose effects are fructifying now or later. So, any uncomfortable situation, Papa can create. Papa can't create sorrow. For that, I have to be present. (laughs) Ah, I make the discomfort into sorrow by asking a Question, why me? Immediately, it becomes, one is in a sorry-sorry state and shape. So, Punya, again, which has no translation, means all the comfortable situations due to all the good deeds that I have done in this or previous lives, which are fructifying for me. Comfortable situations don't translate into happiness. Ah, because even having, being surrounded by comfort, one can be miserable. Some people are like that. Here's a present. Oh, my house is full. Why you gave me this? You know, people ask this. <laughs> one woman came and told me, you know, she gave her mother a present. And the mother said this. Oh, well, don't you see so many things. Why I need this? At least open and look. Look, mom, open. Yeah, it's nice. Good color. Yeah, but you know, I only told you how to choose things. I only taught this. Yes, yes, you only taught this. Wonderful. Yeah, okay. You know, this is what it is. Now I have to play, find a place to hang it. She gave her a sweater. So, everything is a problem, you see. And so, like this. Therefore, the the word Shraddha is a is a very important word for someone who is trying to find their place in this world and trying to be, trying to commit to a um, what is that called, a trajectory of spiritual growth and trying to be with things as they are and trying to be go with the flow. For them, the word Shraddha is very, very important. Now, if one happens to be a Vedantin, and who is a Vedantin? The one who is in Vedanta, Vedant in. okay? Yeah, so the one who is desirous who has jinyasa, the desire to learn and the desire to want to, to, to understand and has some pressing questions such as, <coughs> who, who am I, yeah exactly, who am I, why I here, <coughs> you know, how come I find myself here and <coughs> what is the purpose of this life. Why was I put here? And why, you know, what do I have to learn? What is it that I have to contribute? And all these kinds of, what are they called? Fundamental spiritual questions. So for the one who is not interested in just trying to ful- fulfill desires, which is the first portion of the Veda, this is what it does. Fulfill desires and all these things righteously. The one who has more deep and pressing spiritual questions, for them also you ask them, what is the most important word in Sanskrit? And they too will say, Shraddha. Yeah and here also for the spiritual aspirant the word shraddha which means trust becomes a very 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 important word an extremely important word because it again uh, you know it uh, one gets into the place as a student as a as a spiritual aspirant one gets into a place of being willing to learn to listen to let the light in the light of mother shruti in and for that you have to have little space ah. And earlier I talked about how difficult it is when one is completely inundated with all kinds of notions about I. No, 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 I am not this way. No, 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 I don't like this. No, 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 I like this. This is how I am because this is all collected. Mm -hmm. You know, like mementos, one collects things from one's parents. One collects things from one's family. The familial legacy of misery. What is that? Everyone in my family is miserable. And I don't want to stand out. (laughs) Therefore, I will also be miserable. And this is what happens. And these familial patterns, they run very deep. And if, if they are not queried or interrogated, we think them to be real. There was one person who was always fighting, 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 fighting and finally you know and she fought with everyone in the ashram, she fought with, she tried to fight with me as well and I said what is happening, you know, what is going on? And uh, this was in India and I said what is going on? I was teaching Sanskrit at the ashram. Hmm. What is happening? Well, no, no, don't take it seriously. I said, What do you mean, don't take it seriously? Everybody's worried. What is going on? Everybody's worried about you because you're, you seem to be fighting a lot. No, in my family, this is how we express love. Hmm. <laughs> I said, Seriously? I thought it was a joke. Yes, she was serious. Poor thing. This is how we express love. We express love through conflict. And so if we don't fight for two three days, if I don't fight with anybody I start getting nervous. And I said for most people they start getting nervous when you fight. (laughs) It is the opposite. You know. That's what she said. I start getting very nervous. If I don't have a nice good fight first thing in the morning, it's like a cup of coffee. <laughs> you know, people need some hot brew to wake up and start the day, some, something, you know. So conflict is the brew. I said, it's not the brew, it's brutal, I said. <laughs> See, certainly not, you know. And it took her a good year to drop that. But what she was, you know, she was like, oh, but this is how we are. I said, seriously, everybody in your family, she said, not just in the immediate nuclear family, which was neither new nor clear to me why they did that, but... <laughs> <laughs> her extended family, her uncles, aunts, cousins, everybody was like that. And I just thought, oh, this is surely an exaggeration, how can it be like that? Then they all came to the ashram, because the ashram is near this very famous Krishna temple, Guruvayur. and so they wanted to go there, and so they, uh, all the, uh, you know, uncles, aunts and cousins, they came in, in a big, in a, a minibus, they all came, like I think about 15 of them came. And you know how we knew they were there, because they were fighting, one another as they got down from the bus. They hardly entered the ashram and they were like, oh, you you always lose things. Where is that thing? And I told you to bring the fruits to give Swamiji. Where is that thing? Well, how is this thing? How could you do this? You always forget, you know, said the matriarch and then the patriarch was not to be left behind and the patriarch said, if, if I start telling you what all you have done, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then I told this girl, I suppose they are saying I love you to each other. She said, exactly. That's the way they relate. That is how it is, you know. Therefore, mm. so Shraddha, you know, here means being willing to question this uh, when it is pointed out being in a place that is open where one when one is open to questioning addressing cleaning it up for the love of the knowledge of oneself as whole endless free complete Ananda this is what the meaning of the word Shraddha is to dare to place the trust in, in that which is, you know, which is the, the last portion of the Veda in the text. Because the text has something to say that I can't find out by any other means. So the text becomes what is called Pramana another Sanskrit word is shraddha pramana pramayaha karanam pramanam a means or an instrument of knowledge just as the eyes the nose the ears etc we trust our eyes don't we? Yeah. so much so that we say you are lying I saw you there (laughs) I saw you with my own eyes is an expression as though you can see with somebody else's eyes. <laughs> I saw you with my own eyes, you were there and now you are lying to me. I saw you, that's why the eyewitness, you know, is, is believed. Because I saw the person there. I'm an eyewitness. Mm. So here you, the, uh, the 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 indweller of the body-mind-sense complex is backing up the means of knowledge called the eyes and is saying, you, you know, I saw it with my own eyes. I operated my eyes in order to see something and I happened to see and this is why I can testify, put my hand on a holy book and testify that I was witness to this accident and this car is at fault or whatever it is that one witnessed. So the book is another pair of eyes, that is what the book is, because the subject matter of what one is studying is not something that is an object. Ah, The subject is not an object. What does that mean the subject is not an object? The subject cannot be grasped, you know. Winter flower arrangement. Yeah, so the subject cannot be grasped. Yeah, like this, and the subject cannot be seen. Who is the subject? I. The subject matter of the last portion of the Veda is I, Aham. The what is my purpose? Who am I? This is what it's answering. And so the subject cannot. Be seen. It sees everything, but it itself cannot be seen. It hears everything, but it is it is uh, you know behind the ears that hear everything, but it cannot be, it itself is unheard, unseen, non-objectifiable because it is not the object. Hello, that's why it's called subject. Subject is that which is never subject to objectification. Ah. That is what that's why we say subject. So, how am I going to know the nature of this eye when I cannot operate my eyes? I can see other bodies in the room. If I look in the mirror, I can see this body, but I don't ever see myself, the indweller of the body-mind complex. I can't. I can't hear. Some sometimes people say, Oh, in meditation there are certain sounds that will come. and that is the sound of the atman the self that's just saying it's meal time eat that's the gastric sounds that's all it is you know that's all it is that which doesn't make a sound is the subject so you can't hear the subject maybe like a a bloodhound I can sniff out the subject no It doesn't wear perfume. You cannot sniff it out. So the five primary ways of knowing that I have, which are in the form of the five senses, hearing, touch, etc., sight, sound, the sense of smell, all those are useless. So, and then maybe I will send the mind out and it will will infer. like that philosopher. I think, therefore, I am. You know? So supposing, if the man said a phrase, I don't think so, does he stop existing? (laughs) No. So this is what happens when you put Descartes before day horse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what happens. <laughs> Thankfully, towards the end of the life, Descartes changed it. I am, therefore I think. The I presupposes thought. If the thoughts don't just, you know, fly around like ghosts disembodied from the being that is the, to which it is connected. "I, I, I think, therefore I am is a mistake. He acknowledged it. I am, therefore I think, I feel, I see. So that I am is the one which is the subject of our inquiry. So these five means of knowledge which are the primary, moola pramana, the primary ways of knowing are useless. And so is mentation including, what is that? Deduction induction, inference. I think therefore I am, you know, I'm looking at something in the mirror therefore I exist and better still I'm married therefore I exist you know, (laughs) all these don't work. Now my question is do you need a proof to know that you are, that you, you exist? Do you need proof of existence? No. That's only for organizations, you know. The ashram has what is called a certificate of existence. If you say, I also want a certificate of existence, they'll laugh at you. If you go to the social security office, I would like, I'm applying for a certificate of existence. They'll say, all right, all right, go to the fourth floor, go to this counter, they'll just put you in a loop. <laughs> you will never get it. Why? Because you don't need a certificate of existence. Because the kind of existence that one enjoys comes with a megaphone that proclaims itself. It's a proclamatory existence where the I doesn't need proof of existence. But how do you know that? Just one small question. Are you here? Yes. Yes? You said yes so quickly. You didn't ask. You didn't say, I need some time. You know, time out. I need a little more time. I'll get back to you on this. You didn't say that. And neither did you say, Let me ask the significant other. Then I'll get back to you. You don't need to ask the significant other to know that you exist. Aye, please. Here is a chair for you. Come. Welcome. So nice to have you here. Om. So you don't need a certificate of existence to know that you are. You need a certificate of existence to have some, you know, whatever property or something like that, an institution. But you are what is called in the Veda self-existing. Meaning, it's an existence that is self-aware and proclaims itself. So therefore, uh, you don't need any proof that you are. There's a chair there. Please come. You don't need any proof. All proof goes poof. Yeah. (laughs) Yato vacho nivartante apraapya manasasaha anandam brahmano Vidwan. So the mind along with the words come back, sad. The mind went very bravely, I'm going to name the unnameable. I'm going to grasp this Atma and bring it to the ego to say, ah this is what is the Atma you have been searching for for lifetime after lifetime, here take. And the mind thought, let me take speech as a companion along the way. And both of them go and then come back empty-handed. They go very happily, but when they come back, the skip in the step is gone. They drag their feet and come back, kick some stones and cans along the way, and then come back defeated, having not been able to talk about the I as an object this is what the, uh, this is a sentence from the taittiriya upanishad and so therefore what so therefore it's a very funny business the self enquiry into the i is a funny business because it's all about you and it's not an unknown you it's a known you or rather you you know you are it's a partially known you ah it's not an unknown you. You cannot say I don't know I am. Can you say that? Yes, you can, but it won't be re- it won't be right. I know I am. I know I exist. I know I am. But don't ask the next question. Okay. Who are you? What are you? <laughs> That's where the problems will come. So the I is known as though. Much you know quite like the serpent serpent where in the grass. Mm. Uh You look at it, you know, twilight. You look at it, you go outside, look at something that has three bends and is lying very nicely, and then very soon what do you say? Before that you say, eek. Yeah. (laughs) And then you say, snake. And then what happens? You bring a flashlight. Usually it's the back of the phone nowadays. Yeah. (laughs) Because you don't need anything. You just press a button, one coffee cup comes. Yeah. Everything, (laughs) everything is right there in the phone. Yeah. So maybe that uh, 10th phone, you know, which they have just released, maybe that's what it does. That's why it's (laughs) $1,000. So, you know, you just take the phone because you have to take the phone for every single thing everywhere. And then you shine the light. And then what happens? What is the snake? It's a rope? rope? Yeah. That's why the Sanskrit word for this seeing the serpent on the rope is called Aaropah. They knew. (laughs) Yeah, arupa means seeing something other than the rope. Ah. Arupa means seeing, not the rope, for what it is and it's not an unknown, you know, the rope is not unknown completely, correct? It is known. But it is not seen properly enough. It's a half-known rope which becomes a sitting duck or a sitting rope to brandish itself, brand itself as a snake. Right? Ah. Similarly, the I is not completely unknown and it's not completely known. I know I am. In the next question, what are you? Well, I am this much tall. Body dharmas, attributes of the body are imposed, are opitam, imposed upon the eye. Mind dharmas, this is who I am, this is, you know, I am a very mental person. I am an emotive person. You know, I am you know, intellectual person. I am an analytical person. No, 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 I am an artist. I'm a a passionate person, so you may be passionate, I'm a compassionate person, you know these are all the beliefs, I'm a very good person and don't you dare look at me any other way, these are, these are all the beliefs that are layered on the I, mind dharma, attributes, mental attributes, personality attributes laid, overlaid on the I that start to scare one at some point that's why the serpent analogy is very very uh, you know handy over here it becomes very scary after some time and then we have you know body dharma mind dharma and prana dharma prana dharma means attributes of the the pranic attributes such as i am hungry Are you hungry? Yeah, yeah, there is dinner afterwards, but not, (laughs) you know. Are you hungry? Or when you say, I am hungry, do you mean to say, I am the witness of hunger in the body. I am angry, you know. Again, the, the emotion is I. I'm restless. I'm not having shanti, I have no peace. I'm in pieces, all these things, you know, show an identification of the I with all the things that we say, not I, not I, not I. So the jump into this knowledge requires the removal of all these Aropas over the I. The overlay is removed. So to speak, by shining the flashlight, yeah, of what the shastra, the shastric flashlight, which is not phony and which is real, <laughs> yeah, by shining the shastric flashlight on that which I cannot, I cannot see because I cannot see what is overlain. That, that, that is where I need the help. That is why the word Shraddha placing the trust in the Shastra. Shastrasya, this is the definition of Shraddha that is given. Shastrasya guru vakyasya satyabuddhiyavadharana sa shraddha katitha sadbhi yaya ksharam adhigamyate She is known as Shraddha, it's a feminine noun, so she. She sa shraddha kathita sadbhihi by the people who know, by the wise one, she is known as Shraddha. Who is this she? The one who appears as a trust pending understanding, where? With reference to the words of the Vedanta, words of Vedanta, the words of the teaching, And the words of the teacher, yeah, the teacher is a package deal, unfortunately, yeah, teacher comes along, you know, it's like a tour guide that nobody wants. You know because (laughs) this really happened to me. I was in Japan for a interfaith conference and I was with a lot of other religious leaders and uh, then on the last day to entertain us they had a little bus tour through some cities. And the tour came with a very well-prepared, enthusiastic, young tour guide who was very proud of her English and who wanted to show everything and who wanted to, you know, be, uh, earn her keep, basically. And then, you know, Religious leaders are useless, really, for anything except to maybe to sit and teach and then they eat also. So that's all they are good for. <laughs> and so nobody is interested, you know. they are all a bunch of monastic sitting, you know, they're sitting in the bus all right. And the bus is going and they're talking to each other and one is, you know, one has got the seat right in front and, you know, doing the beads, one Buddhist monk, <laughs> with the eyes closed. <laughs> and the tour guide saying open your eyes (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we were a bunch of, you know, we were awful. I mean, we were the kinds of people I think she would talk about after work for, you know, uh, for months together just to get over. Yeah, because we were talking to each other. We have somebody, you know, and then there were some uh, two swamis who had come. And then, you know, and if you keep two swamis together, you know, bhajan comes out. And so they're sitting, <laughs> singing bhajans in the back of the, first they were sitting in the front. But the, um, the Dominican father said, do you mind going in the back? So, they went to the back because the Dominican father was in a deep discussion with some other person and they were discussing somewhere, some African religious leader they were discussing some very important things and so they didn't want, you know, Hare Rama going on there and so they sent them, so in the back of the bus there is Hare Rama in the middle there is some very crucial discussions about, you know religions of the world and everything and, uh, you know, and I was also to blame because I had uh, another uh, Swami in in Japan and then I had not from our order and I had not seen him in a long time so we had a lot to catch up so we were sitting and chatting happily and so you see nobody really uh, listened to the tour guide and she would say listen (laughs) this is a very important building ah okay, you know and then she would start saying about the building everybody has tuned out (laughs) you know And then afterwards, uh, you know, I I apologized. I said, you know, uh, then I told the other people, I think we should buy her a nice present because we have been so rude. And uh, so that's what we did. We stopped somewhere and got her something nice. And uh, I said, you know, are you tired? She says, usually I'm not tired, but today I'm very tired. (laughs) So the Vedanta teacher is like this tour guide. Yeah. Because, because whether you want it or not, it's part of the package. <laughs> ah, you are in for the ride, I am in for the ride too. Yeah. Because there is, a, there is a very interesting uh, statement made by one of the sages in the tradition, Adi Shankara, who says, Shastra jnopi even though you may know Sanskrit and you may know that this this is the Mundaka Upanishad, this is Taithari Upanishad, this is the Veda, this is this, you know, swatantriyena, by yourself, anveshanam, research into the eye, you know, swatma anveshanam, nakuryat, may you not do self-enquiry by yourself. It's, an, it's a warning. Because otherwise one will have nightmares, you know, because what do you throw out? What do you, who am I? <laughs> oh, I feel very good because the ego suddenly said, oh, you are great, you are grand because you got an award. And the next day something bad happens and I identified with that and so it's just, a, it's a confusion. It's a confusion because here one is not trying to, the the teaching, the Shastra is not trying to establish the I. The Shastra is removing everything that doesn't belong. Shaking it out, you know. Yeah. One is like a rug. You know a rug? Yeah. That which lies low and then takes in all the things. Takes in, takes in, takes in and then has to be shaken out, has to be shaken out, then it becomes dull, you see? So many footsteps, so many, so much dust, so much dirt, so many things, it has taken on everything that doesn't belong, life after life after life, all the insults, all the injuries, all the wounds of the past, all the pains, all the sorrows, it has taken up. And it refuses to let go because all these things become very addictive to the sense of I. Sometimes one is defined by one's pain and don't take that pain away from me because then what will I be? Like that story I told you about the squabbling family. You know, squabbling is a manifestation of deep love, she said. Yeah. So if you take away my pain, what am I? So don't take away my pain, don't take away my sorrow, don't take away my fears, don't take away my beliefs, because without that I don't exist. You know, this is what the fear is. And therefore if one starts looking into oneself on one's own, there is confusion. And so therefore the definition says that the trust pending understanding should not just be towards the teaching, but towards the teacher, which comes along whether you like it or not. So the Shastra needs a guide to to go through, otherwise it will become a maze. It will be a maze without the teacher, with the teacher. Also it will be amazing. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's what it is. So if you want the maze to become amazing, we need the teacher. That is why this is going back to that sentence. And the purport of the Shastra, the purpose of it and its main message is to show that one is Free of all problems, all sorrows, all pains, all fears. That is the purport of the Shastra. In other words, one is non separate from Bhagavan, from Ishvara, from the Lord, from the Goddess, however you might see the whole, the source. One is non separate from the source for which there is a universal yearning. And that yearning is not just a you know Indian yearning or a European yearning, it's a human yearning. As long as one is a human being, one has a yearning that is often, you know, channelled through trying to be the best at one's job or trying to accumulate something or trying to do something and being, being, doing, doing. This is what one wants to keep on doing something or the other. Because one is not happy with one's oneself as one is. This is a universal fact. There is insecurity, pain, fear. And so the Shastra says, you are the whole. And the student says, "How? you mean H-O-L-E? No, no, no. (laughs) W-H-O-A. How can that be? And what do you mean? I am God. I feel odd to hear even that I am God. What do you mean I am the cause? I think of myself as because. What do you mean I am the source? I don't even have any resource. How can I be the source? Forget source. I'm free of, I don't even, I am deprived of resources. So how can I be? How can I be that? And this is, this is where we say That the words of the Veda are. don't require proof because they are a means of knowing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Just like the eyes don't require proof. You know? Supposing if I say that this is. what is this? Yeah. Hydrangea piece. Hydrangea? Okay. Very big word for such a small thing. <laughs> so, uh, I think we should look at something else. Yeah, which everyone can see. What is this? <laughs> glasses. Yeah, this is yeah, yeah glasses. Correct. Yeah. So, if I say that you know, this is these are glasses, and these are this is this is how they work. They help you read. They help you see. And for somebody, you know, like maybe a child who has 20-20 vision and doesn't need glasses, they say, what is this? How does it work? Okay, try it on. You try it on and, oh, it's all blurry. This doesn't work. You know? So therefore, you know, this is a fact that these are glasses is a fact. You cannot say, if I really look at it another way, maybe it's a mango, you know. (laughs) No, No, it's a fact. These are glasses, it's a fact. Why? Because we can say that this is a glass. This is a pair of glasses. Even if you do shirshasana, standing on the head, and look at this, it's not going to appear like what? A mango. It's not going to appear like a mango. Ah. Why? Because this is what it is. So, if one is not able to understand that, one has to have a trust pending the time they will understand. Like, almost like an Einsteinian equation. E is equal to mc squared. No. What is this? One letter this side, two letters and a square sign on the other side and equal. How is that possible, you know? You can't quite say, I believe you Dr. Einstein, you are great. (laughs) Means nothing. The proof is in in seeing that equation. In uh, understanding that equation. So here too, the I is equated to the Lord and the proof is in understanding that equation. And the mindset required for understanding the equation is a trust pending understanding. A trust, a, a twofold trust. A trust that this is actually there which is good for me. A trust that this is true and I'm in the process of discovering it. It's exactly like that. E is equal to mc squared. Energy and matter are one. And here I is equated to the Lord and the and the operating principle, you know, operating system here is shraddha <laughs> That's what it is. And you know, how to cultivate it, where to go from here, etc. We have a few more things to see, which we will see tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, 9.30 we have a class. We will see that. Now uh, I'll open it up for some questions. We'll say the closing prayer first and I'll open it up so to, for questions. Om um, Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadhaya Purnami Vavashishyate Om Shanti Shanti Shanti, shanti Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namah yeah, questions, yes? So, how am I supposed to have this, how am I supposed to trust this trust, have the Vivekya, to go, oh, this, you know, how many times have I heard someone say, this is the truth, and I go, oh, I, I really believe it, but is it the truth? Maybe not. How so, Yeah, that's a kind of an ontological question, epistemological question, how do I know I know. Um, You know, but here we are talking of not any promises. We are not talking of empty promises that if you know this you will go to heaven for example because it's non-verifiable. You know, Veda also has a, like other religions, has a concept of heaven. But, you know, how do you know you will go there? How do you know once going there you will like it? Those are non-verifiable. This is verifiable because it's in keeping with the human yearning. The human yearning is to not die is to be immortal. That's why one is always looking for new, new antioxidants. Ah. <laughs> ah. And you know, berries part form part of everyone's diet. Yeah. Suddenly one loves berries very, very much. And so, you know, this is what happens. And then, you know, because I want to be, and it's not just it's it's inbuilt. There is a yearning to be there forever. Even a mosquito has it. That's why it bites when you're not looking, because if it bites when you're looking, it will become chutney. Yeah. That's why. That's that's the that's the connecting. You know. I use my own yearning and a little extend that logic that, okay, this, this Shastra, this teaching is speaking to this primal yearning to be forever. That's why everything has forever, you know. Mm. At, at the birthday, you say many happy returns, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And which is not a very nice thing, actually, from the standpoint of the shastra. <laughs> you know, moksha means you don't come back, but here many happy returns, dear Jiva. You know. <laughs> so uh, this, is, so you you want to you, you you want to be, and you don't want to just be miserable forever. Correct? Yeah. Nobody says I want to be miserable forever. It's understood that forever means I'm happy forever. If you want to be miserable forever, then nobody, that's not, you know, people will say, please put me out right now. I don't want to be miserable forever. I want to be forever. And I want to be happy forever. That's why even in the sixth wedding, the person will say, what? This time, it's forever. What happened to the other five times? They were not forever. <laughs> ah. So it's very clear. And then, you know, a child wrote a note to me, you know, please be my BFF. Mm. What is BFF? Forever. forever. Yeah. So it's very clear that what people want is not the thing itself, but the forever. Ah. And the Vedanta says, you are the forever that you seek, forever. You are that forever that you seek. Then you say, okay, I have to be open-minded to discover that. So the I is known as is self-evident? Yes, the I that, is, that one is trying to know is already there. It is aware, it is self-evident, It it just is. It already is. So nobody is trying to establish the eye that is self-revealing, self-evident, it needs no proof of its existence. But like the, the quote unquote snake on lying in the in the grass, the eye has taken on terrifying proportions due to lack of knowledge. Yeah. So other questions? Yeah. Is there um, anything in manifestation that's just for experience, not for any other purpose? Say that again. Yeah. Um, is there anything that is in manifestation? Is there anything that doesn't really have a purpose as such? Maybe. Just for experience, like the the, the Lord to experience. Yeah. Just pure experience. Doesn't matter whether it's good or bad or what. Yeah, everything is like that. Everything is, is is known through experience. Yeah, everything you know. Is that the sole purpose? Is just Sole purpose of who? The, itself, but, but the Lord itself. Yeah, the, yes. So, uh, are you asking, let me see if I got your question uh, properly. Is the purport of your question, why do we have to know the Lord? Why can't we just experience the Lord? Is that what you're asking? Or is that not quite it? No, it's that, um, I guess I'm asking what is the original purpose? Of creation? Yeah. Okay. Well, you see, um, I was saving this for the last. No. (laughs) That's just a joke. Uh, From the standpoint of Vedanta, we would say, what creation? Yeah. What creation? You know, oh no, everything that you see here, everything that you see here is that Lord with name and form. Is that you know principle, Atma Tattva, with with a, a casing, you know? It's like it's the same cake with different icings on it. You know, inside it's just flour, you know, sugar, butter, everything. But it's got different icings, different flavors. One has you know chocolate. One is berries. One is you know lemon. All these things. That's that's what we we would say. So the creation is a is a manifestation of the Lord. So, and, and then if we were to ask from the standpoint of the empirical reality, why does it exist, then the reason, the reasonable explanation that is offered by the teaching is so that one can have a place to work out their karmas, to work out certain things, it's a place of growth, it's a kshetra for growing, for you know coming into certain incarnations with certain, uh, you know, certain parentage, certain experiences, certain fears, certain tears, certain horror scopes and (laughs) so many things and through which one learns, one grows, one slowly matures and also it's a bhoga bhumi it's a place where one experiences one's results of one's action and it's also yoga bhumi it is a place where one learns to be together and grow into a mature individual ready for this knowledge so then is is the learning and growth and spiritual path itself as though yes Just like the teacher is as though, the student is as though, everything is as though. Yeah. So, I guess I'm back to why is there something rather than nothing? The original purpose of all of it. Why is there something rather than nothing? Because you can't say there is nothing because who is the one saying there is nothing? Is that a sentient being? So you can't negate yourself. The I is that which is non-negatable. So there can only be something. Yes. You can't even come. Yes. Okay. Yeah. There can't be nothing because what what do we do? We are left with uh, it, because, it puts us into an infinite regress. We are left with a knower of nothing. And is, if that is nothing, nothing cannot know nothing. You know? Nothing is known by somebody or something, a conscious entity. And that conscious entity, we say, is the only single presence that is spread in the universe. And that is the truth of you. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. So, is there? Because I've heard of some some yogic experiences where people have they come out of themselves and they they can see the subject objectively. So, is that in the Advaitic tradition? Is yeah. There, is or, or or is it just a matter of understanding? that you are the whole. Yeah, well, you know, you you, if you come out of yourself, you still cannot see yourself. You can see the body and that you are separate from the body. That we are already saying and you can see that. You can see that without needing to come out of the body. I strongly suggest tonight, please do not have any out of body experiences. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's a matter for experiences. Sometimes they levitate, they do, you know, that those are all part of sadhanas. We are not talking of sadhanas, we are talking of the purpose of the sadhana is to see that one is separate. So here the emphasis is on a cognitive understanding without needing to go through that necessarily because that everybody cannot do that. But everybody can understand this cognitively. Many more people can understand this cognitively. Yes. So, <clears throat> if I... If I have that out of the body experience and I'm looking, saying I'm seeing myself, is that similar, parallel, or same as looking at my hand and saying I see myself? Yeah, because what you're seeing is the body. You're not seeing yourself. Just the one that's doing the seeing is the self. Yes, exactly when you have an out-of-body experience and people talk about this, what is this called NDE, you know you talk NDE, near-death experiences and so they have this ringing sensation and they feel like they have gone through some tunnel and then after the tunnel they feel they are hovering above their body and then they see, you know, relatives crying and uh, the, you know paddles being applied and suddenly somebody says, okay, go back from where you came it's not your time yet and somebody pushes them back they have these are all recorded you know yeah anything else okay see you all tomorrow home now let's see if there's anything online no no questions online okay good